Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me, and you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, Heather Creekmore here. You're listening to the Compared to Who podcast, and I am glad you're listening today. We're going to tackle a tough topic, and it's a topic that I have mentioned before, maybe in passing, maybe too casually. I did a day or two on it during our 30-day series last month, but y'all, I just keep seeing some interesting things on Facebook and Instagram. And I felt like the topic we were supposed to talk about in today's episode is idolatry. Okay, you might not be cheering, but let me tell you, it's funny. I actually had a client last week. You know who you are. And she and I were talking and she's like, you know what? This whole concept of idolatry has changed my life and it has changed the way I read the Bible. And I thought, yep, me too. Because I'll be honest with you, idolatry was the last thing in the world I could have ever conceived of was part of my body image problem. You see, here's what I knew my body image problem was. My body image problem was my inability to stick to a diet. My body image problem was not doing the right exercises at the gym to get my body to look exactly how I thought I wanted it to look. My body image problem was my addiction to chocolate, right? My body image problem was all of these other things that, and I don't want you to catch this, these things that I believed were under my control. And in a way, friends... Because they were under my control, because they were about me and my willpower and my genius searches on Google to find the best diets and the best exercise programs and trying to match my blood type and all of these different things. And and there is some truth in there. So please don't hear what I'm saying as scorn. It's not that. But the problem is, it was all under my control. And that really, friends, is what idolatry at its core is all about. So today, we're going to talk about what I'm calling four startling thoughts about idolatry. Now, startling thought number one, and, and this is just an important place for us to start foundationally. So we're the real thing. Okay, friends, you and I are not idols. We are the imago Dei, and that's the Latin, for the image of God. God, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, created 
male and female. He created mankind in his image. But friends, one of our biggest, if not our biggest temptation, though we are made in the image of God, is to try to make things in the image of us. And that's really what happens when we make idols. Now, it's a strange, strange thing. And I read this really complicated textbook about image and idolatry. It was written by a seminary professor and had a lot of good stuff in it that I'm hoping to use in my next book. I would not recommend you read it because it was really difficult to read. But one of the things that he mentioned was how when we create an idol, or when we make something an idol, this really interesting phenomenon happens, right? We reflect onto the idol, some of our desires, our wishes, our hopes, our dreams. But then this idol that we created reflects onto us. Expectations, goals, rules. Now I'm speaking some of your language, right? Our idols have rules for us to follow. That's how their economy works. And so what I'm saying is it's really strange, our relationship with idols, because we reflect on them, but then they reflect back on us. Whereas if you think about our relationship with God, we are to reflect God, but we don't reflect any of our junk back on him right? It's, it's a one-way relationship. God is God. And then we bear his image and we are to reflect him because we bear his image. But these false images we create become cheaper and cheaper, right? I, tr- I like to think about it like we are the God's the original. He's the photograph. And we're the photograph of the photograph or the photocopy of the photograph. But what happens as we make idols is we continue to reproduce the copy of the copy and then the copy of the copy of the copy and then the copy. of. And you guys, you know what happens when you try to look at the copy of a copy of a copy of a picture, maybe one that you, you know, put on the uh, photocopy machine, an old picture, whatever. It gets blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. And that's exactly what happens with our idols. They take the truth of God, they take the real thing, and they distort it. My pastor this week in his sermon was talking about just some of the challenges around the transgender movement that we're seeing and kind of where that started from. And he said something really interesting. He said, when people say that God's design is not the place we start. That's when everything goes crazy. And I couldn't help but think about that from the perspective of our body image idol. When we start from the fundamental place where we say, yeah, God's design for us is not right. That's not how I was supposed to be. That's when we get sucked into creating these idols of how we think we should look or how we think we should be. So this point was, we are the real thing. Friend, you are made in the image of God. That doesn't mean you are God or that you are a God, right? But it means that you are made in his image and that gives you worth and value is valuable through him, your life. Now, the challenges, our hearts, our hearts, oh, friends, they just, they get led astray so easily. 
And that's why there are so many scriptures that tell us to avoid idols or warn us from following idols. In fact, according to some translations, it varies from translation to translation, but the word idol or idols or idolatry is used 231 times in the Bible. In fact, the very first commandment is have no other gods before me. Right, like God knew this was going to be a temptation for us, and it's so funny. I remember, like, you know, as a kid, even really probably through college and in my twenties, reading Old Testament passages about idolatry and thinking these people were just stupid. Right? Why did they think a golden calf would save them? Why would you worship powerless an inanimate object? And then when I was in my thirties, and God showed me, oh, hey, Heather. You've been worshiping your body image. You've been believing that a certain body type or shape or look would save you in a way that only I can. Oh, hey, Heather, this is a problem. Your heart has wandered. It wasn't until God and I had that conversation that I really started to experience freedom in my body image struggles. So let's talk a little bit about that word idol idolatry in the Bible. We see it over and over again, but I think it's fascinating. If you look from the Hebrew, the word idol that we use in English can come from one of a couple different words. One of them is the word avon, and it means trouble or wickedness or vanity. But another one is Eliel, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but the spelling of that word Eliel, which means vain idol, is very close to the word Elohim, which we know is a word that is used for God. So it's interesting how even in Hebrew that the term vain idol is such a close, similar word to the authentic thing, to the real God, to the word Elohim that we use for God. Now in Greek, the word idol comes from words that are really more about idolatrous offerings and sacrificing to different things. John Calvin, there's a famous quote from him, and he says, every one of us, even from his mother's womb, is a master craftsman of idols. So friend, don't feel guilty about it necessarily. I mean, we'll talk about how you handle this idolatry issue in a minute, but we do have to just recognize the fact that we are idol factories. I love First John 5.21. John reminds us, little children, guard yourselves from idols. He's not talking to children there, folks. He's talking to adults, but he's like, we're like kids. Like, I want the next thing at Christmas time. I need a new Lego set. Or they get the Lego sets and a week later, maybe even five minutes later, no, I need another Lego set, right? We are just like kids in this arena. We go from idol to idol to idol looking for the next thing to bring us a salvation that only God can. I also love how Paul says in 1 Corinthians ten fourteen, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, let me just kind of break down brass tacks. Modern day idols can be anything. In fact, Billy Graham says, whatever you love most, be it in sports, pleasure, or God, that is your God. 
So what do you love most? Now, in the realm of body image, it gets a little tricky because most people are like, oh, Heather, I love my body the least. So that can't be an idol, right? Oh, but there's another quote I need to interject here. It's by Sir Thomas Chalmers. You've probably heard me say this before. I've written it in my books. He was a Scottish minister in the 1800s. And he said, whatever you think about in your solitude, that is your religion. So, you know, love, I've heard it said that hate is not the opposite of love, that apathy is, right? And so hating your body and loving your body may not be as far apart as we think they are. More to the point is what consumes you? Or as Tim Keller says, he says, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. And I'll just tell you from my story, friends, I had a good career. I had a family that loved me. I had friends. I had lots of other things. And I knew Jesus. But this idol was in the way of my relationship with him. And in my heart of hearts, I felt like my life would have meaning if I could wear the size I wanted to wear. I would have a value if I looked how I wanted to look. I would feel significant if I lost a certain amount of weight. I would feel secure if I knew what was on the outside was so good that you could never criticize me. In fact, it was almost like my body was my security. If I could just get my body good enough, then I would be safe through life. And, and part of it was safety from the outside, but then part of it was safety from the inside too, believing falsely that if I looked a certain way, I would no longer feel insecure and then I would feel safe. I would no longer criticize myself. I would be happy with myself and then I would feel safe from all of these thoughts that plagued me all the time. And, and truthfully what it is, then I would be able to rest. But it didn't work that way, friends. Our idols never do what they promise. And the body image idol is no exception. It does not work that way. You can get the body you think you want. You can get the surgery. You can lose the weight. You can firm the parts. You can get the hair. You can get the skin. You can get it all together and you will never feel safe. You will never feel secure. You will never feel like you have true value, true worth, true meaning in this life if you have made these things an idol. Let me go to number two, which is an area where a lot of people get stuck. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareddohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. Idols can be good things. There's a very fine line between caring for and appreciating something in your life and making it an idol. And what's interesting, 
We can make our marriages an idol. The Bible loves marriage, right? Marriage is one of God's institutions. But if you make your marriage an idol, if it's replacing God in your life, if if you are a single person, you think getting married is what will give you that meaning and security and safety and worth and value. Oh, friends, that's what idolatry is. Don't make marriage an idol. And this is where it gets so tricky, right? Because marriage is a good thing, and yet it can be an idol. Heather, how do we do that? Then when do I know if I've crossed the line? Well, one thing I talk about a lot is the treasure principle. If your treasure is in this thing, and you know, to what Keller said, if you can't live without it, if this is what gives you meaning, then perhaps you know that you have made it an idol. But I think it goes back to that Sir Thomas Chalmers quote. What are you spending most of your time thinking about? What are you spending your money on? Where is your heart when it is undistracted? Where do your thoughts go? Do your thoughts go? And I'm going to tell you this just straight up from experience. Do your thoughts go to, oh, wouldn't it be so nice if I could just lose 20 pounds? I wonder what I could do to lose that 20 pounds. Oh, life would feel so much better if I could just lose 20 pounds. Oh, I wonder what new diet I should try. Maybe I should not eat carbohydrates anymore. Maybe I just need to start waking up an hour earlier and exercising more. You know, oh, then I could lose that 20 pounds and then everything would be so much better. Friends? That's a sign of idolatry. Now, again, this is where it gets really tricky, right? Because perhaps you feel like you do want to lose some weight. And there is some truth to the fact that when we drop some pounds, we may physically feel better. But the problem is, if we make that goal an idol, it will never satisfy us. And I hope you'll tune in on Friday because I'm going to have a fantastic interview with another registered dietitian, Amy Carlson. And she and I are going to talk about this very thing. Like, how do you tackle the I want to lose weight, I need to lose weight issue topic and yet not cross the line into obsession and body image idolatry? So that's what we're going to talk about on Friday's show. So I hope so. I hope you plan to listen to that. But for today... If you are making something an idol and worshiping it, know that it will always let you down. William Tyndale, an English scholar, leader in the Protestant Reformation, this was in the 1500s, he said this, to have faith, therefore, or trust in anything where God hath not promised is plain idolatry and a worshiping of thine own imagination instead of God. Ouch, friends, that one gets me, right? Because isn't that where the worship is happening? In our imagination, what will my life be like when I lose the weight and when I look like that and when I get that body? That is why so much of our diet culture, even our fitness culture, that's why so much of it is promoting body image idolatry in a very subtle, understated way that's coded in the big word health, right? Oh, we have to pursue health. We have to be healthier. Health is a good thing. We're supposed to be good stewards of our body. Our bodies are the temple, Heather. Health. Don't be against health. I am not against health. I am against idolatry. And so I hope you'll hear the subtle difference today. Number three, my third startling thought about idolatry Idols are family affairs. So it's interesting. I've been, I read through the Bible every year and reading through the Old Testament the last couple of months. 
you know, seeing over and over again, these Old Testament characters, I shouldn't say characters, people, they were real people, but falling into the same sins of their fathers, right? And, and as I've researched the Old Testament, this is what happened in families a lot. Like the families served the same idols that the generations before them served. Idols were handed down through generations. And I started to think about how that is still the case for us, even in the year 2021. How often do we fall into the trap of following the same idols that our parents did? Friends, if your mom struggled with body image, if she was always on a diet, if she was always talking about how good this woman looked or how this woman was so awesome because she lost weight, if she was always admiring actresses and models, if she was always focused on doing things to improve her body, if she wouldn't leave the house without looking a certain way, these all may be subtle things that you picked up on that are the worship of a body image idol that maybe she struggled with. It might not be your mom. It might have been your father. Or maybe what's worshipped in your home, your family of origin, was success. And maybe looking a certain way was part of that success package. It could be money. It could be any number of things, right? There are so many different idols that our generations have passed down again and again. Beliefs, wrong thinking, but really wrong ways of worship. Believing that this is what is most important about us. And then as kids, we pick that up too. What's most important about me is that I have a clean house. What's most important about me is that I wear a size that's a single digit. What's most important about me is that I drive a nice car. What's most important about me is that my house looks really good on the outside. What's most important about me is that everyone thinks I'm a good Christian. There are so many different ways this could play out. But recognize this is a family affair chances are the idols that you are wrestling are idols that your parents or your grandparents wrestled as well. And this became true to me when my grandmother, she passed away last year, but even in her nineties, she was still buying expensive wrinkle cream. And even in her nineties, right after she got out of the hospital, she wanted to go shopping for some new clothes. We didn't know if she was going to make it two, three more months. She ended up making it a full other year, but she needed new clothes because it mattered how she looked. Friends, this was generational in my family and maybe it is in yours too. But that brings me to number four. And this is the good news. A startling thought about idolatry is that God tells us story after story after story through the Bible of people who were idolatrous for a reason, to show us how gracious he is in offering a path to repentance. That's right, friends. If you're serving an idol, there is always a cure. There is always an opportunity to turn, repent, confess the idolatry. These are God's prescribed course of treatment for idolatry. Friends, it is not a problem to fail. It is a problem to not turn from your failure, to not repent. And so today, my encouragement to you is if something in the show has triggered a thought in you where you're like, whoa, maybe I've been worshiping a body image idol. Whoa, maybe I've been worshiping this other idol I never even thought of before that could even be an idol. Right, friends, 
Don't leave it there. Take the next step. Stop right now. Confess. God, I am sorry. I'm sorry I've been serving this idol. I'm sorry I've been looking to my body image or this other thing to bring me value, significance, worth. God, I'm sorry that I'm not starting at the point where I recognize that I am made in your image. <laughs> and that's enough. Oh, just friend, don't let today go by without confessing and repenting and asking God to set you on a new course. That's my message for you today, friends. Four thoughts about idolatry that maybe startled you. Maybe they were just good reminders, Hey, whatever. But either way, I think that this issue is so pivotal to the heart of the ways we struggle, right? Keller also says that we can kind of find our idols by seeing what makes us really angry. Do you get mad when you can't stick to the diet? Do you get livid if you miss your workout? Do you get angry when that next diet doesn't work? Mm, friends, these could be signs of an idolatry problem. Well, I'm going to leave it there for today. And I just pray that God will have used something in this episode to encourage your heart and to help you to stop comparing and to start living. I'll be back on Friday with that episode I promised you with Amy Carlson, registered dietitian. It's going to be awesome. You're going to want to listen to it. And oh, hey, you can sign up for Refocus 21 anytime. It's open for enrollment right now. Go to comparedtohu.me slash courses and you will find it there. Sign up and start your journey to body image freedom. That's all for today's episode. We'll catch you Friday. Bye-bye. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.